All right, quick question for you. How many people on earth are there? 7.5 billion. How many stars in the sky are there? How many? Countless. Countless. Trillions. Beyond measure, beyond number. When we think about those things, I don't know about you, when I think about that, it's really easy to feel insignificant. Small. Do you relate to that? When you think about the vastness of the cosmos and universe. And yet, God became that small. <laughs> he became that finite. Uh, in his song. And it, it's his story in this limited. Jesus wasn't limited. I don't. Jesus was limited in the sense that he had to sleep and he had to eat and he had to wear clothes and he had 24 hours in a day, just like you and I. He was limited in the fact that he made himself a child and was dependent on the care of his mother to survive. He was one person in the midst of the world, and yet what God did through his story is to offer salvation and redemption to all of us. Um, so I give all of that as an introduction, because today is an Overcome Sunday, which uh, is a testimony Sunday. So we're going to be hearing testimony, um, interview style, like we've done in the past, uh, from Ron and Sharon Whistler. Can we welcome them, and, and they can come forward, let's greet them. <laughs> And they can have a seat here. We'll do this comfortable style. Um, so I start with that just because stories matter, and our stories matter. And this year, we're going to be looking at Jesus' story and our story and how they intertwine. And so this morning, as I'm interviewing Ron and Sharon, uh, for their story, what I want to invite you to do is to listen for Jesus' story in their story. All right, so repeat that back to me. Say, listen to Jesus' story in their story. Listen to Jesus' story in their story. And what I desire for each of us is to learn to do that in our own lives. Your story in Christ is not your own. Who do you belong to? To him. So whose story is it that he's telling in your life? His story. He's telling his story through history, right? And so as we listen, uh, can you join me in prayer? And let's just bless Ron and Sharon as they show their testimony. I know there's some nerves, um, and that's okay. So let's just pray over them and thank God for his story in them. So Father, once again, we come before you, and we thank you for your story. As we were praying before the service, Sharon's prayer was that, that it would not be them that's seen, that it would be you that's seen and heard today. We agree with that, God. Not because we don't love them, we do. Not because we don't want to get to know them better, we do. But we understand there's a greater story that we're a part of. And so when we listen to their story, what we're seeking is to hear your story, your faithfulness, your holiness, your provision. I pray for each person in here today as they listen to this testimony um, that they would see echoes and shadows and whispers of their own story and how you're working in them. And if there's 
a person in here today who's struggling with depression or struggling with feeling insignificant, like they don't matter in the midst of all the billions of people on earth. Father, speak to that person. You see them. The Lord says, I see you, child. And I know your story. And you matter to me. I have a strong sense that there might be someone in here who's feeling that today, insignificant and sad and lonely because of it. So hear, hear God say to you, your story matters to me. Thank you for that kind of love, God. You seek the one who's lost. You love your children. We thank you for that, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning. You gotta hold up your microphone. Good morning. Let's test it out. Ron, good morning. Good morning. All right, it works. Um, so we're, we, we sat down a couple weeks ago and, and went over some stuff, and uh, we kind of decided, if this is all right, to start with a little bit of your testimony. Um, so Sharon, how has your own testimony impacted the way that you interact with and understand children, particularly? And you got to hold that mic up. Okay. As long as my heart doesn't beat out of my chest here. <laughs> um, I was um, privileged to grow up in a Christian home, which was really amazing. Um, very thankful for that. I was an only child and had an awesome childhood. Had grandparents across the street. Had a grandmother who loved the Lord and led me to the Lord at age three. I remember faintly that incident. Um, but I knew God had me throughout my life as I look back. Um, when I was four, almost five, I fell out of a car. Uh, my grandmother was holding me in the back seat. We didn't have car seats at that time. <laughs> um, I, she told me, I did not remember this, but she told me she was holding my coat. And she heard a voice that said, let her go. And she let me go. And I fell out of the car, and I remember thinking in my little brain, God loves me, and he loves the birds, and he watches the birds, and so I'm going to fly like a bird. And I flapped my arms as hard as I could so I didn't hit the ground, but I hit the ground. <laughs> um, however, uh, later on, after the stitches and everything else took place, the doctor said, had you not let her go, she would have been killed with the tire of the car. So that was the start. And then I, you know, had a great childhood. Fun, loving, great. And then my rose-colored glasses cracked. And, um, <laughs> sorry. You hear forms of abuse and, you know, I, I had some of that with my uncle who um, thought he could take advantage of that. And I didn't understand it because I was young and back then we didn't talk about that stuff. And I was told if I had told anyone that there would be problems, and so I didn't, and I kept it hidden. And it started to affect my grades in school. It affected the gang that I hang, hung out with, and I got into a really bad crowd. And 
just relentlessly dogged me and it was it was awful and at one point I was in a stall of the girls room and one of the girls came in and rolled down the paper and she lit it on fire and I got blamed for that and I was too scared to stand up and say it wasn't me I knew who did it but I was not going to so I had all that ramification and sat for two years in the lunchroom by myself at a table and they would make fun of me because my last name was Berkey so they would call me Turkey and they would gobble as they went past and they're just the ridicule the ridicule was really hard and um, there were two girls in the upper end of the school <laughs> like I was the B class they were the A class um, and then they came over to the table and said why don't you join us at our table and that was the end of my 11th grade year and the seventh or twelfth grade year was really amazing. Um, Diane was a new Christian who was led to the Lord by Darlene, which is now my sister-in-law, and she was my best friend. And um, we just grew together as Christians. We grew together as friends. And if it would have been for them, I really think I would have been down a different path at this point. But I knew God had it. And through that, I met Ron, because Darlene, of course, is his sister. And um, so on goes that story. Because of um, the amount of uh, trauma and difficulty, when you, particularly when you were a child, uh, how has that impacted the way that you interact with children and see children, whether you're an owner or a church or um, at work? I just have a childlike faith. I don't know how else to describe it to you. Um, I just, I just love on kids. I, and I always wanted a brood of my own. I wanted twelve kids, when I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, and I loved raising the kids. I, I had fun with them. I was young, so I was more a kid myself. And I just, I don't know. I always related to kids. I give that back to my grandmother, who just. She just was an awesome example of how to just show Jesus easy, an easy way to show Jesus and that. And because of what I experienced, you know, I have grandchildren that went through some similar things and I've been able to really develop a, an awesome relationship with them. And it's been, yeah, we've been through a lot, <laughs> but it's good, it's all good. Ron, could you share a little bit about your testimony? And sure. Yeah, I was uh, 13 years old when I accepted Christ as my Savior, and that was through one of my dad's sermons. It was uh, revival meetings, and uh, he gave the invitation, and the Lord worked in my heart, and I accepted. But it wasn't an easy road, because after that, Satan got a hold of me, and I was... Uh, involved in some trouble, uh, hung out with the wrong crowd to start off and drinking and smoking and all the, what I thought were the pleasures of life, but uh, what really changed at that point was, number one, meeting my wife, and number two, when we had our first child it struck me that I got to get my act together. So uh, that was the beginning of our journey. So
So one of the reasons why I specifically had asked if I could uh, interview you this morning was when I was thinking about our congregation, I was thinking about one of my favorite parts of Parker Ford is I look around this room and the age diversity is really unique and a gift. There are, there are a lot of churches that don't have that, the, the range that we have of, of old and young and in between. And um, we know that everything in our culture in the negative sense is screaming that it's good to be young and it's bad to be old. And yet the scriptures teach us that the, almost the exact opposite. It's foolish to be young. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only with time and experience that wisdom and grace come. So part of the desire today was to hear particularly what it was like for you guys raising kids and for us who are younger on that journey to learn from that. So what was it like? You, you had four children. <laughs> what, what was it like ra raising your children? And yeah, what would you share about that? Well, I would say that for me it was awesome because they were my buds. I was young and it, it was just, we just had fun together. We played, we ran, we did day trips. We, we just made fun in the house. Um, Ron built our home, so at one point when it was all under construction, we had put the floor down and the kids were there and they were playing ice hockey in the living room and thinking it was a great thing, you know. And it just, we had a great time with our kids young. Um, when they started to exercise their independence, became a little tougher. <laughs> um, we didn't have social media to deal with. I don't know how you guys handle it. I, if we had kids right now, I'd say no phones. I, 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 you know, that, I just don't know how you would do it. I, it's, it's a real concern. Yeah. Yeah, uh, adding to that, I was, I was working, obviously, full-time job, so I didn't have the, the contact with the kids through the day, as Sharon did, but uh, in the evening, it was definitely fun, you know? We would always gather around the, the table for meals each night, and that was a good time of sharing and communi communicating with the kids, and. So that was very important. And also, at bedtime, we would always uh, read a story and uh, tuck them all up to bed and all that. So we, we were part of their life. Can, yeah. Can I follow up with the, the comment you made about phones? Um, yeah, can you talk more about that? If you were raising kids today, they wouldn't have phones. <laughs> I, I know, I mean, for many of us, it's hard, it, like, it's literally hard to imagine well, functioning, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. Um, I understand. I yeah. think what, um, where I'm coming from on that is, number one, I'm really not into all the electronics. I mean, if I use a phone, but I'm sure I can use it way better than what I do, and Ron doesn't do it at all, so. Um, so anybody who sends an email and you don't get an answer, it's because I probably forgot to give it to him. Um, at any rate, I'm, I'm watching our children and their children, and I'm seeing the struggles. And now we have four children. We have three sons and a daughter, and our daughter's the youngest, and our oldest son 
has children 25 to 16. And their struggles have been incredible. And I just was listening at a conversation at our table over the holidays. I actually kept my mouth shut, which was really good. And the, the girls were all talking. And um, I guess our third son made a comment about that his daughter wasn't going to have a phone for a while. He told her 16, and she's <laughs> flipping out. So, and our oldest daughter-in-law said, tell her she's never getting a phone. She said, I wish we would have never given our girls a phone um, until they were older, maybe 17, 16, 17, when they're driving. But she said, our kids had phones way too early, and it got them into a lot of different things they didn't need to be in. So I'm listening to that, and I'm thinking, yeah, I, we didn't struggle with that. We really didn't. We didn't have the, I mean, we didn't have computers even. I think our, our third son was the first one to have a computer in the house. I mean, that's, you know. So we didn't deal with any of that, so I, I don't know the answers for that. I, I would not want to deal with it. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to put on you the need to supply an answer. More, I wanted to hear the woman. Which we need to hear. So if you're a young parent, you're in, in that too. Like here, heed that, heed that warning. Um, what what were some of the struggles you experienced as parents uh, with your children? I, I know that there was a lot of fun, and a lot of great, but it's also hard. It's really hard to be a parent. Yeah. Uh, being that the the most evident problems were later on here, I'm trying to think back of the little children, which uh, just the constant every day, watching over them and communicating with them is very important. Uh, a lot of times we as adults get hung up in our daily routine and things that have to be done and the kids get forgotten. So. I just would reiterate that communication is just valuable. They want to hear from you. Uh, some of the other struggles were as the kids grew in their teenage years, why, uh, of course, they try to rebel and they think they know what's good for them as opposed to what their parents want to instill in them. So, uh, Um, I'm thinking back, we had an incident with a college situation with our two sons that um, changed the course of our life, basically. We were living a pretty even-keeled life, and life was good, and um, Ron lost his mom, and that, that's, a, that's a real struggle in a marriage, when you lose a parent, especially when you lose a parent that has been your prayer warrior and your... Yeah, it's just, um, it's a challenge to move forward sometimes a little bit. And then we had the kids, and we wanted to keep them for the funeral, and the college would not allow us to do that. And we got into some heavy issues with that and wound up bringing our children home. Uh, and maybe three months after that, we were told we were going to be grandparents. Um, and they weren't married. <laughs> and that... Uh, that was a bomb because we were going to a really fundamental church. 
you walk the line. And when that happened, uh, we began to get shunned, basically, uh, at the church or the school where we were. And it was very hard. We'd go to sporting events and we weren't spoken to. or It was a tough situation. And yet, I, when we talk about it, I, it broke our pride as a family. You know, we're walking around very prideful at that point. We had great kids, we were, you know. And that was God's way of saying, well, you know, you need to come down a little bit here and face reality. And uh, we were angry. <laughs> I was probably more embarrassed than I was angry because I knew there was a baby coming. <laughs> you know? But Ron was angry. Do you want to talk about that? No. <laughs> but we canceled with the pastor. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to find three really good prayer warriors, friends, that are going to support you and hold you up and keep you accountable. And so we listened. And if it would not have been for those three friends, there's I don't know how we would have gotten through it. They were on us like, you know, what do they say? Wayne and Rice and all that. But um, checking in, talking to Ron, calling to make sure he's doing all right. You know, it's just, and praying. They were just prayer warriors all the way along. And I was talking to one of them the other day and telling her we were going to talk about this. And she said, you know, I want, I want you to realize something. That was such a privilege for us. And she said, at my stage of where I was in my life, it helped me to realize the importance of prayer and holding someone up to the Lord. So she said, I was so thankful for that. So again, you see God's hand in any kind of situation that you face, if you can just step back and look at it. When you're in the middle of it, you cannot see it. Um, well, through it all, the Lord blessed us with a, just a great granddaughter God's intervening, definitely. I just can't do this. And he says, yes, you can. You just love them. You just love them. Mother would say, just love them. And that's what you do. You love them. And it has been good. We've had, you know, been up and down. It's been crazy. And we've had our moments. And later on, we had an issue with, you know, another son and it was not easy and it was very difficult and it was years that we struggled with this particular son and his family to the point where I had very harsh words with him one day uh, and then it was like God said just be still and no and I walked away we both walked away we stopped communication we stopped it all and it was years but um, we're mending. It's slow, but it's we're mending, and that's that's God's grace. Again, it's God's grace. So, so and this question is going to walk us into a field of landmines. <laughs> so if y'all get angry, you can get angry at me, not them, uh, with this question. But again, from a wisdom standpoint. Um, Discipline generationally is very different. Parents and kids today than it was for you growing up 
and even raising your own kids. What was discipline like in your family with your children? And then if you have any observations or wisdom to give to us today. We tried a lot of different things, a lot of different ways, and obviously it was, we found that each one has a, each kid has a particular vent and, or vent, and we have to play with that in our disciplining because what works for one doesn't work for the other one. But uh, we tried different things. We tried a plastic spoon. We tried, yeah, they laughed at us after we found out later. And, uh, we tried uh, writ written assignments. I would say, okay, if, if there was a certain thing they did that wasn't needed discipline, I would say, okay, you're gonna write a hundred times, I will not hit my brother again, or whatever it might be, but uh, yeah, sometimes I made them write a passage of scripture that was pertinent to what they did, and just, uh, Tried to sink it in their brain so they knew it was wrong. But, uh, anything else? Well, here's, this is just funny. Um, I had them all the time at home, so I had these little stinkers that were running around and they were fighting and getting into trouble. And before I tell you too much more, realize that we had bifold closet doors with louvers, so they opened and shut easy and they had air. So I finally said to them, that's it. Everybody in the closet until you can get along. When I know you can get along, you can come out. And I shut the door, and within one minute, these kids were giggling up the store. And I opened the door and said, oh, look how well that worked. And I said, what were you doing in here anyway? And the one looked at me and said, we were just playing elevator. We were trying to get to heaven to get to Papa because we need new shoes. <laughs> My grandfather always bought them new shoes for school. So they made a game out of it. But uh, we used soap. Uh, and they remember. I, I can still taste the soap. Okay, okay good. <laughs> and one thing that I asked Michael if we could tell, and he said, sure. And he, I said, do you remember what you did? And he said, no. I'm like, okay. Um, I don't know what he did. I don't remember either. But he touched something, and he said something he was not supposed to do. And... I just didn't know what to do with him. I really did, because anything else we'd ever tried never worked. So I said, that's it. You're in the corner. I put Crisco all over his hands and Tabasco on his tongue. And I said, that's it. Now you'll not say bad things again, and you can't touch anything, because you've got, well, he could have went all over the walls. I mean, he didn't think to do it, you know, but. Um, so I said, do you recall? And he said, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> We just discipline way different than you do now, because you have to. I mean, it's, you know, society has brought you to the point where you, I'd have been probably in front of a jail cell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's obviously, in the pendulum swing, there's some good corrections that have been made and limitations put on discipline, but I think what I wanted to glean from it was the creativity like, that's, I mean, how creative do you have to be as a parent to, like, love your kids individually, each well, and 
to know what they require. And I appreciate that about your story from the elevator <laughs> to Mike sitting in the corner with Chris Kittle all over his hands. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so thank you for going there for, for a minute. Um, you, your uncle, Eric, gave you some advice on your wedding day that has greatly shaped your marriage and your story. Can you share that with us and how that's impacted you? Okay, well, we had a very large wedding. And we had a very large receiving line, and we thought we were never going to get out of it. And I had an Uncle Eric who just loved the Lord and loved to preach to you whenever he saw you. And so I saw him coming, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. I'm that same uncle. Oh, yeah, that's great. And um, one thing he said, I, I, I just need to leave you with one thing. And I, you may never go to bed on an argument. Just remember that. Never go to bed on an argument. There's going to be arguments. Do not go to bed on an argument. Make sure you talk it out. You still could be a little upset when you go to bed, but make sure you address it before you go to bed. And we kind of followed that through. Um, and our first argument... We were in an apartment in Elizabethtown, just starting our marriage, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what caused their uproar, but you claimed I was trying to throw the couch at you. <laughs> strong man. Yeah, uh, but uh, so anyway, you marched out the, the front door, and you, I would think you were going left because you're left-handed, but you went right. And and I went left trying to come out and find you. And uh, we ended up in the local park and it was snowing at the time and so we made snow angels and kissed and made up. That was like the biggest argument that we've had because I think we both got to the conclusion of this was ridiculous over whatever we were arguing there's always an easier way to take care of stuff. We don't have to argue like this. And we'll disagree, but we'll talk it out. And I would think that that was probably the last time we really fought. <laughs> um, and it's just been, and Ron has his mother's compassion and his, her quiet spirit. Uh, it's not me. And um, so when I get myself in an uproar, he's just, um, I was with the kids too. I'd be, wait till your father gets home. And he goes, no, it's not that big of a deal. You know, so. <laughs> None of you have those dynamics, right? No. Um, what do you regret from raising kids? Do you have any regrets? I regret not tapping into my parents and his parents more. Their wisdom would have been amazing to glean, and we didn't do it. And we lost mom and dad really early. My mom and dad were later on, but uh, I'm very sorry that we didn't uh, use them more, or learn from them more. Mm -hmm. um, I regret not being stronger spiritually in our home. Uh, our kids went to a Christian school, so they got a lot of 
education every day, and they'd come home and they didn't want to hear anything else. So we kind of let down on that, and we probably, you know, not probably, we should not have done that. We should have stayed strong. But so regrets, but then you look and say, I can't, I can't, I can't have a regret because we did the best we knew how to do at the time. In prayer and trust, we prayed, we moved forward. So there, I can't have regrets, I, you know, to look back at. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of God's grace covering us, covering us all. When I, when I asked you that question in, in your house, you just right away, there's nothing, nothing. Um, not that there weren't mistakes, but nothing. Because of you can't, uh, you drive yourself crazy if you do that. Yeah. You know, you would always be looking back saying, what if I should have done this, should have done that? No, just pick it up and go. Yeah. So um, we could sit here all day, and I have a lot of more questions I want to ask you, but um, as we come to a close at this time, a couple of questions that I do want to ask as we're wrapping up. Um, when you look out at young parents today, you can by all means include me in this. When you look at young parents today, what concerns do you have? And you, you've touched on some of them, but what concerns do you have for us? Well, I think the big thing is social media. For me, that's a big concern for young parents. Um, communication, because now everybody texts and there's no verbal communication at all. You can't hear the way they're feeling in the text. You can't tell what they're really thinking. Um, that's a concern. The violence that's so real in today's world, we did not face that. Um, and I do, I feel that it's harder to walk a Christian life now in this world. When I grew up, Christianity was awesome. You know, you were a cool deal if you had Christianity, and now it's, you really have to stand firm on your faith in today's world, and it's not quite as easy. So. Yeah, I would say that uh, a lot of it is, uh, if the kids see the parents on their cell phones, on their computers, on their laptops, and all that, without communication, that was, that's the key, is really get down on the kids' level, play games with them, uh, you know, yeah, just put aside your electronics. It's, certainly it's, it is part of the school system, because a lot of times they little our little grandkids, they have their laptops and they're well into it, but uh, yeah, that's about it. So then the flip side of that question, um, not just what concerns, but what wisdom would you share? And you already touched on that a little bit, but could you leave us with any, from your experience, from your story, from your struggles, uh, what wisdom would you leave us with? this morning? Um, sure. Uh, pray a lot. Trust a lot. <laughs> pray again. It's just, it's a constant prayer, a constant prayer journey. Um, constantly keeping God alive in your house. Number one, God should be first in your house. 
um, and speak about it. But like when we were going over this, I just wrote this, you know, that Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9 states it's way better than we could. And this is from the message translation just because it seemed a little more dynamic, but well, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you, loving with it for what you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them whenever you are, wherever you are, sitting at home or walking the streets. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your forehead as a reminder and inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. And that would just be our, you know, just constantly keep God focused and first and talk about him and love on your kids. Just love them because I mean, they're your gift. God gave them to you as a gift. They're on loan. And just love them because they're going to leave you, moms and dads. <laughs> they're going to walk away and start their own family. So, you know, take advantage of the time you've got. Pray, trust, pray more, keep God first, spend time with your kids. So I have a gift for you. I'm not going to ask you to pray. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Over us that, uh, I know that's not what's most comfortable uh, for you, but, um, so I'm going to close our time with prayer, but I'm going to specifically try to pray your words of wisdom, if that makes sense, uh, as, as a prayer. So, um, yeah, I hope that this was meaningful to you. I hope that you heard the Lord's faithfulness in not only their lives, but also recognize it in your own. Um, and if you don't have a walk with the Lord where you can see him showing up as quickly and readily as you hear it in their story, we challenge you um, to invite him to be a part of your story in that way because that is his desire. So would you join me in prayer? I can't help but think, Lord, of the hymn <laughs> where we sing together, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Um, when I hear Mr. Ron Michonne's testimony, um, and they share it, that's what I hear. I hear them saying, my story is actually your story, our story is your story, and our story is one of in the highs and lows, in the valleys, in the mountaintops, in the times of struggle, I'm praising God all the day long. So we agree with that. We also um, want to receive the wisdom uh, that you uh, share through their story, uh, the, the nuggets of wisdom, particularly for parents, young parents here today. Um, so Father, help us be careful about the way that we engage screens. Father, help us as parents know when to turn things off, when to say no. Help us learn that limits our love <laughs> to say no is an expression of love 
to turn something off and not need to know or <laughs> have every update is freedom. Pray particularly for the teenagers in this room today, God, who are growing up in a world that is just completely foreign than the world that many of the people in this sanctuary grew up in and are facing things that are new. I mean, really, really new. Things that have never been available in the history of mankind are available to our teenagers today. And it is destroying many of their lives. Since the invention of the iPhone in 2007, the rate of depression and suicide among teenagers has skyrocketed. So, Father, we receive... These warnings, not with a heavy heart, but with a joy, knowing that you offer another way. <laughs> God offers another way. Father, thank you for the wisdom that was shared today. Thank you for the story. Thank you for your grace and redemption. Pray for each man, woman, and child in this room to know that you are intricately involved in each of our stories. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Mr. Ryan, Ms. Shane?